0: My name is Jason from the Misplay Podcast, and you're listening to Farming Eternal, the number one eternal podcast.
1: Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patrick, or Padumaro, and Ben Grasher. back in the dark on the data mining team. And this week, we have a special guest, Tempest Dragon. So how are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty okay.
1: So we'll talk more about you in the main topic, but for now, uh, I just want everyone to know it's episode 33 So for those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. This week, we're going to talk about how our draft week went, uh, some announcements, card of the week, seven-win-run breakdown, our main topic, which will be about the new format, and then we're going to review a draft that Ben did this week of the new format. So to start with, Tempest Dragon, how was your draft week?
0: As opposed to the pre-release week, which was fantastic and filled with seven-win drafts all over, this one has been pretty bad, in all honesty. Just opening two threes and one threes, I've recently gotten some six thre- two six threes under the belt, which was good. But yeah, I got blown out by canon three times. Mm. a card that's not supposed to exist in the draft format.
1: Yeah, draft that's packs. that is an interesting. I know um Raven Dragon mentioned in the Discord today that she contacted support and they said they're working on figuring out how to get the a bunch of cards that are in the draft packs that aren't supposed to <laughs> be in there or out of there. Yeah, so do you think that it's uh just that it's a new format and you're exploring things? Or are you just on the bad side of variance
0: a bit Would, of both
1: do you find that um new formats is sort of a strong suit for you, or are you like someone who really likes to like dig in and explore a new format or are you like more comfortable like once you learn the cards and can kind of like sort of play to your play to your strength of just being a better player?
0: Oh, I love to dig in and explore, but i'm but I fully admit that I'm bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really strong when when I actually settle into the format and just get strong draft after strong draft.
1: Yeah. I'm kind of like that too. I'm a bit of a curmudgeon. Like when the format changes, I know a lot of people get like really excited and are looking at new cards. And I'm always just like once I get used to a format, I start to like I love it more and more and so then when they change it I'm like, Oh, they're probably gonna ruin it. I don't have to learn all these new cards and <laughs> oh the cards are too powerful or all oh, the cards are too weak so, so then it takes me a couple weeks to like just like really get into the format and start really enjoying myself so
0: this, this one brought a lot of old friends and old nemesis nemesis mm. with them
1: yeah we're going to talk about this a little bit later too but you know the way they're they changed how they're doing the draft packs so now there's like a it's match to uh what the expedition format is so there's like 700 or something something cards in the draft pack so it's a lot harder to know i think what the play around
0: and they're weighted
1: yes that's gonna be i think uh interesting to see how that plays out going forward as for me i just, once again do not have much to report on the draft front embarrassingly so tempest dragon is Really going to be running the show here. I'm st- I'm still trying to finish my draft from the six point five format. Oh, because <laughs> I I totally skipped six point nine, and then I've been trying to catch up because I, I had people have been probably heard about it in the Discord, but I've been trying to catch up on editing these podcasts and just have not had any time to draft. So. Yeah. But I'm caught up, we're recording, I have nothing in the backlog, so I'm going to get this episode out super fast, hopefully, and then I'll finally be able to start playing Draft again, which will be great since I do a Draft-focused podcast every week.
0: But no, this format's pretty dang good.
1: Well, that's exciting to hear. So uh, let's move to announcements. All our announcements this week is just to thank our patrons. We've had two new patrons this week. So a special thanks to Titus and Blossom and my arch nemesis Parmalee from the Misplay podcast, as well as our veteran patrons, Tokut, Darth Herman 2, Twin Hex, Marshall, Xendrith, Jed the Homered, Raven Dragon, Esrich 0215, Sunblaze, Work on Sun, and Yistau. Thank you, guys. Yeah. So now on to our card of the week. So the card of the week. What is your card of the week, Tempest Dragon.
0: Oh, you want me to start? Okay. My card of the week is Cindermite Tota. It's a f- four mana, single fire, zero four. And it says, your dragon and treasure troves cost one less. In tomb, create and draws four four Cinder Dragon with flying.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and does this Cinder Dragon cost four?
0: No, it costs six, but it's still a four four Was flying. Yes.
1: Do you like this card? Is that why you brought it up here?
0: Yeah, I I didn't I wasn't actually super impressed with this card when I first saw it, thought it was just Draft Shaft. Actually it's more. There's actually a decent enough number of sacrifice outlets for it, and it's also just a good blocker. And mm-hmm. it creates another big flying body when it actually dies.
1: Mm-hmm. So does that mean you're going into Sort of picking it, thinking you're hoping to
0: sacrifice it? Hoping that it's a blocker, and then maybe leaning in a little more for sacrifice outlets. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Do you find that its first text, that your dragons and treasure troves cost one less,
0: has been applicable at all? Only a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because this is a card that I um, was spoiled right after we did our spoiler of the Skywatch Zealot. And at the time, the full spoiler hadn't been out. So when I saw this card, I was like, oh, maybe there's something to this uh, dragon uh, draft theme. But then they didn't release any more dragons. So then we talked about on the podcast for the Skywatch Zealot. So I'm a little, or Skywatch Zealot, so I'm a little skeptical that you can get a critical mass of dragons to make some of these dragon uh, synergy cards really work.
0: Even three or four is enough, I find. Mm-hmm. The dragons themselves are just whoosh. i yeah. terrifying and fly- also flying, except teasing wolf, but that eventually flies.
1: Well, good to know. I mean, I think a four cost O4 is, you know, that's a little scary to be playing on, turn four and feel like you really did something but
0: yeah that's a bad stat line it's really the text that makes it mm-hmm. acceptable
1: yeah um do you find that it's a little dangerous with is there a bunch of silence i know there's the the big time unit has yeah. silence
0: that uh, that's dangerous too well but it'll it's be still an... a zero four blocker
1: yeah exactly though not quite as exciting <laughs> So then, um, Ben, his card of the week uh, this week is the Intrepid Longhorn, which is the 2 Cambrai 3-3, Mastery 6. Play a random sigil from your deck. And for those of you who don't know, Mastery 6 just means that if this unit does 6 points of damage, that's in attacking or defense, or any other way you could cause this unit to do damage if they've done 6 damage you get the mastery trigger which is in this case like i said play a random sigil from your deck so ben says there are a lot of multicolor commons and uncommons that are quite interesting in this set which is interesting because it's a mostly two faction set so if you're in two factions it's very you know there that means there's nine in this cycle that you are unable to play so I think one worry is it can sort of clutter up the draft packs, but they seem to be really good. And this one in particular is a two power three three, uh, which even in with no text would be playable. And on top of that, it has, you know, an upside.
0: That That's really, really good for a card. But the other comments of the cycle are also pretty good. We do have that Cinder Dragon, which is, you know, a six mm-hmm. mana four four in draft.
1: With, with flying, yeah.
0: With flying, the flying is important. Yes. We have a claimed artisan, which is really good. Two mana, two three in Ricano. Your Oronia, one attack, and it also has mastery four, which gives it exalted. Exalted. That's a key word. That allows you to pass on a weapon equivalent to the unit stats upon dying to another unit. I found that's a pretty scary keyword. We'll be getting into a little more of that later.
1: Yeah, I found that almost all the keywords, or at least Mastery and Exalted, are very intimidating to to see on the other side of the table. So... Mm. I'm hoping as I get more used to the format, I don't freak out quite as much as when I see a mastery or an exalted creature. And I you know but I think it's gonna take time to figure out how to best sort of play around them and mitigate, you know, how much advantage your opponent can
0: get out of them. Do be concerned about teasing Walt though. That card is legitimately terrifying. Two mana two two dragon that gains flying when it hits once. Yeah. On mastery two, and when it hits mastery six, it it boosts itself by plus three, plus three, making yeah. itself a five-five flyer. No, yeah. that card's insane. That's
1: big game. All right, and then finally, my card of the week this week is Mistrust, which is the Ford Justice Cursed Relic. When the cursed player plays a unit, sacrifice Mistrust to play two three-two paladins. So this is kind of an interesting card to me and I think is a little hard to evaluate. You know, the closest comparison that I think we've had so far is Wormstone where sort of a a relic where you're paying a cost up front and not immediately getting the bodies but then you're sort of getting a little extra bonus for having to wait to get them.
0: Oh, geez, you're right. That is really like Wormstone. So, my question is
1: though, are two, three, two paladins really worth four power? I mean, they are, obviously, but the yeah. fact that it's conditional, you know, because I always went, even with Wormstone, I think Wormstone was a good card, but I do think people sort of overvalued it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it, the same thing is going to be true with Mistrust.
0: I think it's the same way. It's sometimes pretty da- darn good. It's sometimes not good at all. Yeah. There's also its partner card, Unkindness, which yes. is a two-shadow curse that plays three one-one ravens on your side with flying if they don't play a unit for the turn.
1: Which Which of these two do you think is more likely to trigger?
0: It depends on the game, but I think Mistrust is the more likely one to trigger. Because they have to commit something to deal with your board.
1: Yeah, that's actually the thing I don't like about Mistrust a little bit, is is the fact that it's really not great when you're behind. It's not. Because when you're behind, if you're far enough behind, your opponent can just get by without actually playing any more units, and then you've just sp- spent the whole turn doing nothing.
0: Unkindness oh. is also not that great one behind, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons.
1: I do think Unkindness is a little bit better in a in the late-game board stall, because there's a good chance that your opponent doesn't top-deck a unit, and therefore you get two more 1-1 flyers that can either chip in or chump block. It's well, not
0: just two, it's three.
1: Or three, or yeah, sorry, three 1-1 flyers that can you know, chip in or chump block and start going over any board stalls that exist.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there.
1: Yeah, so it will I'll be interested to see. I also have a feeling like mistrust is worse. I mean, this can be said about any card, really, but probably worse against better players. You know, the higher the comp- level of competition, I think the worse mistrust gets because <laughs> a good player will be able to sort of mitigate the damage while... I think a, a less, an average or lesser player will just kind of get freaked out and sort of make bad choices on how to deal with the card.
0: Yep, yeah. they could also just use a ruination sledge and delete it yes. if they really were stats concerned about that.
1: And that was, I think, actually big game in previous sets with Wormstone. You know, it felt really bad to when you played a Wormstone <laughs> to have your opponent come back the next turn and kill the relic you know because then you really did just spend four power to do absolutely nothing.
0: Hmm. At least with Wormstone you could just hold up a fast spell alongside it and immediately bust it with in response to relic removal. Yes. But it's still awkward.
1: Yeah, I agree. Cool. So I I'll, I'll be like I said, I'll be interested to see how how well this card does in the format going forward. Yeah. I, I think right now people are high on it, but I wonder if that, you know, if they're, um, if that'll be tempered a little bit as we go on. We'll see. All right. So now our seven win run breakdown. We don't really have much to talk about here as far as actual data collection. But for those of you who don't know, we have a long-standing data collection project uh, where listeners of the show mail us their seven win drafts to farmingeternalgmail.com or they join the Discord and we have a seven win channel there um, and they can post their deck lists there. And we accept exported deck lists directly from the client or any kind of eternal war cry link. And then we take all of this information from our awesome listeners, we compile it into a spreadsheet and do some data analysis, on, data analysis on it so we can draw conclusions about the format. And then we share those conclusions with our listeners so everyone can benefit. Um, so these first uh, few weeks of a new format are kind of the most important because it's when our sample size is, you know, when we're trying to really bulk up the sample size so we can really figure out what cards and what factions are doing well everyone who's listening please we really encourage you to send in any seven win deck lists that you have Um, and then the other benefit besides for all the great data that we provide is you get a shout out um, on this podcast and so this week we've had 73 lists from 38 active listeners and so here they are we have Adam H, Agent Dynamo, we had Allison with a little bit of assist from another ship, Angel A, Camomilk, Celtic Guardian 7, Collector, Comet, Darth Herman 2, Death, Dubes, Fang Warb, FJ Forward Sound, Hats on Lamps, I Just Work Here, Jacob P, Jedi EJ, Jed the Homred, Joey Andy Huvet, Cassandra, Mark Marshall, Mercio Blue. MLNTN, Murder of Crows, Another Ship, Out on a Limb, PKTT, Raven Dragon, Rofer, SSJ1997, Staggerly42, Starstorm, Sunblaze, Tempest Dragon King, Titus and Blossom, Wei Q-Chan, and Yistout. So thank you again, everyone, for sending in deck lists. You really helped fuel this project. On to our main topic. And I think the main topic, we're on a sort of just a casual overview of the new format and sort of how Tempest Dragon has been navigating it uh, this first week, this first few days even. So first off, Tempest Dragon, how have you been liking the new format?
0: The no new format's been pretty nice. There feels, seems to be a lot of strategies that are viable. Even Mill is pretty good, which is weird to say because Mill has not had the best success. In previous formats
1: yes that is very true i mean there was i think in set five where you had uh what was it the six power five five that statistically milled. and then if you got lucky some mad caps and mournful it, death cap yeah mournful dead death cap thank you glad you know the cards
0: <laughs> yeah i've faced a few mill decks in my time i rarely get milled i've never gotten milled in draft
1: yeah, though I do know that a few people on Discord, at least the first couple of days, were complaining that they were losing a fair number of games to Mill. Hmm. but I think that talk has quieted down a little bit, yeah. so I don't know if they just stopped complaining about it, or if it was sort of like people trying it out the first few days, um, and so there was a lot of it around, and now that there's just fewer people doing it, as it turns out, not to be the strongest of archetypes. We'll Um,
0: see how strong it is. So as
1: far as the new format, um, have you found, how would you compare it to Set 6? I think it's a little slower. Does it have a similar feel? You know, because Set 6 was, I think, initially thought of as a two-color format. I always
0: plays three colors in that format, even, even with the poor fixing.
1: Yeah, even before they added all the, you know, Set 6.5, I think, colored people's views of the original format. But you felt like even in the original Set 6, you tried to be three colors.
0: Of course, I'm a greed monger. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm very, very likely to be three colors. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. And are you doing that even in this new format?
0: Uh, Yes, if I can help it. Yeah though so my most recent draft was a two color..
1: Mm-hmm. And when you say you've been you tend to do three color like in these formats where the fixing is not great, is that usually like two colors and then a one or two card splash or are you are you trying to go more heavy in that third color?
0: I do both. It, dep- <laughs> it all depends on what I get past during a draft. Mm-hmm. If good stuff opens up at all three colors, I'll just embrace the 3 colorness and go for it.
1: The other two questions I've had about sort of just, like, the speed and pace of this format is, have you felt like, two, like getting on board early with, like, a t- one-drop or two-drop has been important?
0: It's not as important as in some formats, but it's pretty important in some games. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, something like teasing Alp is very dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> if you let that on board for a turn, you're going to, re- unopposed, you're going to regret it.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree. That is true. I mean, you know, it's always tricky when the card you're most scared of is an uncommon because it, you're not necessarily going to see it that often. But maybe just the fact that there's this one bomb Two drop uncommon means you really need to try to get on board <laughs> on turn two. In Speaking order... of
0: mastery and things that you should be scared of, that's not the only two drop that's concerning. Mm-hmm. There's a two mana two two time common called Spike Tail Kieran. You can pay six to give it plus four plus four this turn, and mastery six you get plus one plus one on all of your units. Um, How does that plus one
1: plus one work? Is that similar to like an obelisk effect where it's a passive or is it adding a plus one plus one counter to all your units?
0: Plus one plus one counter. It's an unlock potential Mm -hmm. on a stick. An unlock potential is in the format too. Mm -hmm. It's still as reasonable as it's ever been.
1: Yeah. And so how about the removal? Is is the removal pretty good? Has it been sort of downgraded from set 6?
0: It has downgraded, but it's downgraded in interesting ways. Set 7 has pretty good removal, actually. hmm What we didn't see is, from the spoilers, one of the few things that we didn't see is a whole cycle of edicts which are removal, but they're mm-hmm. color-coded.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up. Because I think these edict cards are a vindication of set five on this podcast. I used to call the three faction cycles. the. um, I'd always talk about them as being enemy colors. And Ben would send me email after email after email telling me to stop calling them enemy colors. (laughs) And these edicts prove... That they were enemy colors this whole time.
0: Yes. <laughs> this is actually enemy color hate.
1: Yes. So thank you, Direwolf.
0: Thank, thank you for vindicating <laughs> Patamaru. Um,
1: but yeah, and also could,
0: making neat cards.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and you know something of to note about these edict cards is. Each of these cards hates on two colors. But which seems like not a lot, but when you're in a two color plus format, you know, you're hitting sixty to seventy percent of decks that you face.
0: Maybe even more. Yes. Which is why I like Edict of Makar quite a bit, the shadow one. It's a one cost shadow spell. Enemy unit can't block this turn. But, if it hits a time or justice unit, it dies. There's a lot of time and justice around. They're two of the best colors.
1: Always have been, always will be.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This format, yes. Yeah, that
1: is really good. And that's, is that a fast
0: spell? No, it's a slow spell. A slow spell, yeah, sorry, that makes sense. The time edict is a fast spell, but it's Mm. three cost.
1: And what does the time edict do? Do you know?
0: Yeah. It it returns a unit to an enemy unit to, to to their hand. But if it's primal or shadow, it returns it to the bottom of the deck instead. Yeah, it's pretty
1: incredible that they...
0: I mean, I guess... Oh, yeah, they, and it also affects spells.
1: Yeah, I wanted to say you don't really see a lot of time, like, hard removal like that. Um, but I guess they did that anti-flying one.
0: For um, all the sands
1: recently, too. But, you know, the only other... Yeah, so that's pretty interesting that Time's getting, you know, hard removal at Uncommon in this format, at least for two of their enemy colors.
0: Yeah, that's pretty nice.
1: Um, So, along with that, I think the other interesting thing about this new format is the fact that we have these giant draft packs. Um, Do you want to... Do you have anything to... say about that how that's felt or
0: yeah that... the, f- the format's huge and it feels good it feels like a greatest hits album <laughs> ex- except some of the most broken cards have been removed we still have pods.
1: yeah so it's kind of interesting i because you know not having played the format yet my one worry is that it makes it really hard because at least in theory, they've tried to build these draft packs previous to this to accentuate the cards in whatever set we're in. But by having these huge draft packs, you know, that makes it a little bit harder. And you kind of mentioned it briefly before, but um, a certain number of the cards are weighted, so you're more likely to see them.
0: And those cards react well mm-hmm. to the cards in Flame of Zolta
1: mm-hmm
0: that's what but, they specifically said
1: yes but my one concern is first it doesn't seem like they've really released a list of those cards yet so it's really hard i think i guess you're just gonna have to play a lot of draft to really get a sense of what cards you're seeing a lot to know sort of what strategies are really getting played up because the other thing you mentioned is there's a lot of you know sort of strategy potential in this current set like we went through that common um two color cycle you know in a sense all 10 factions are supported in this set it's not like these last couple sets where only a few of the factions have been supported yeah so um you know so i'm a little nervous about not having all the information so really hard to to know you know, what you can rely on in pack two and pack three, and then also, you know, the fact that you could just get unlucky and see a bunch of cards that don't actually synergize with the um, with your packs, the Flame of the packs.
0: Yeah, I will just say one thing, though. Don't expect to see board sweepers. Lightning Storm's out, Torrential Downpour's out, Though so there not there that new one in
1: Flame Ulta, the four-power um, primal one that deals one damage to
0: all enemies? Oh, yeah, Reverberating Strike. There yeah. is that one.
1: So that's a little bit... You know, that feels, I think, a little bit worse than Lightning Strike. Or not Lightning Strike, than um, Torrential Downpour. Yeah,
0: uh, it feels a
1: lot worse. <laughs> at four cost. Though I think the fact that it is fast spell does allow you to, um, you know. Blow people out. There is a big difference, because the last one, wasn't there, was there a two-damage one that was fast speed? Storm Spiral? Yeah.
0: That's the one that's still in.
1: Oh, Storm Spiral's still in. So you have two of these fast speed sweepers. Oh, that's interesting. Because I feel like Storm Spiral was a tricky card to play, but boy, could you blow people out with that. But also doing two damage is a lot more than doing one damage.
0: You also deal two damage to your face. Mm-hmm, yeah. It doesn't come up much, but it can be important.
1: So now, I thought we could just kind of review the mechanics. You know, we talked a lot about what the mechanics do in the in the last episode, but I figured we'd just go through the five mechanics and see if you, if you feel like they've been coming up a lot and how they've been playing out in the new format so to start with is mastery which is the or i I already explained mastery but it's the one where if you do a certain amount of damage with the unit either on attack or defense you get an extra bonus so that one i think seemed like one of a pretty strong effect it's Um,
0: one of the set's main foci i think yes a lot of cards interact with mastery Weapons interact with mastery. Spells that have the unit deal damage to something else deals with mastery too.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, mastery again is I think one of those mechanics where it just seems so powerful and snowbally that it's I think it's gonna take at least me a while to get used to how to properly play around uh, mastery cards, cause. Like I said, I've been I've been playing this set six point five draft, but in this current set, and for some reason, everyone it turns out has the uh, the Borderlands lookout card or whatever the one time.
0: Yeah, that card is <laughs> very good.
1: Yeah, especially against someone playing a six point five deck. Um, oh, but wow, <laughs> yeah, um, but. Uh, more to the point, so my opponent played the Oni Star Stalwart, which is a three justice one four with endurance and mastery, something. But it gives it plus two plus two. Having not played against mastery a lot, I was like, "Oh crap! <laughs> like I have to deal with this immediately." And it was like, I, fe- you know, it just you're like, "Well, I can't attack in because it has such a big butt. It's just going to get." be Able to chump block any of your guys, not die, and slowly gain the mastery. And then a, a 3 6 with endurance is, you know, quite hard to get around. So mm-hmm. it, it just like it felt like that single card just like gummed up the board. And even though it's not like a great card, I felt like I had to use, you know, go out of my way to figure out how to remove it. And I just have a feeling like a lot of these mastery cards uh, feel that way, you know, like you mentioned. There's the two-cost the, the, the two, two cost ones. The fire one, the teething wealth, and then the Kirin, yep. whatever one, the time one.
0: There's also another time one at one cost. That's a one-two. At mastery two, it gains deadly. At mastery four, it gains plus three, plus three. So there, You have to respect these. What's
1: interesting about the mechanic is, like, you have to respect them, but it's almost, it feels hard to, because they can just attack with it. If they attack with it, no matter what you do, they're going to start ticking up if you don't kill it. And then, or they don't attack with it, but it's hard to attack in because, you know, they get to choose the blocks so they can do sort of favorable blocks to sort of keep, keep ticking up their mastery. And so I feel like it, it feels like it's going to lead to more board stalls because you're just going to have these mastery units on the board that no one wants to interact with. Because they're worried, you know, they don't want it to gain their mastery.
0: Yes, but with two caveats combat tricks and silence. Mm-hmm. Combat tricks work particularly well with mastery, since you can even attack unfavorably and just blow out the opponent with and immediately get the mastery in some cases. Yeah. Or on the other side, you can, like, bounce the only stalwart with a 2 2. And then char conflagrated. Yeah. After combat, of course. During yeah. combat, it's just asking for trouble. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. And then, um, and then like you said, there is. It seems like at least a fair number of silence, which I think is good because this and the next um, keyword we're talk- going to talk about or mechanic we're going to talk about, you know, really. Are snowbally mechanics, but also really get hurt by silence. And
0: that's Exalted. So, how have the Exalted cards felt so far? They, while the Exalted units mostly don't have good bodies, they feel much better than they look. Mm hmm. The, the 5 mana two, 2 1 Flying Exalted is pretty good, long tail cavalry. That's
1: one of the, the the cards I'm most skeptical about as far as Exalted goes. Just because you gotta pay f- five power for a two one and then that's one where if your opponent decides not to interact with it, they can you know they can just sort of ignore it. But yeah, so that was our impression. I think in set six point nine, uh people were sort of saying the same thing where exalted seems uh better than it looks, and I think that is holding true in the new format, too.
0: Also, one more thing about Exalted. It's terrifying with Killer. There's one thing that grants Killer at common, and that's Predator's Instinct, but it's a really good one.
1: Yeah. No, that's very true. (laughs) That is very true. Because, you know, Killer, unlike, you know, doesn't take an attack step, so you can... Predator's Instinct unit, attack in, have your unit die, kill their unit, immediately play a weapon, and immediately kill her again on the same turn with the new unit.
0: Yeah, it's very Mm Mm-hmm. Anyways, let's get into another mechanic.
1: Yeah, so next I wanted to talk about Muster. Um, I think Muster was sort of the mechanic I was most skeptical about. In the last podcast, Ben and I sort of misunderstood it and thought that it was only weapons that it triggered off of, like a weapon and a spell. But it turns out that I think any attachment, including curses, count as that one side of the attachment spell trigger that you need to trigger muster. Sorry to say trigger so much. Um,
0: Yeah, they do. So have you tried to play any of these muster cards? I have not leaned into it quite yet. And I think there's a reason for that. There's not actually that many Spellcraft weapons introduced in the new set. The most common ones are Pock Pock's Slingshot, a 2-mana 1-3 weapon with Spellcraft 2 Snowball, and Aspirin's Robes, a 1-mana time weapon, 1-1 at Uncommon, that creates and draws a cultist. Right. And, and has Spellcraft 4 Patience.
1: Yes, which makes a card in an opponent's hand more expensive.
0: All of them more expensive by one. All all of them more expensive by one. You're thinking of slow. Yeah. That was one of our
1: concerns. And then the other concern is it really seems like Muster is an Elysian mechanic. And so I think you know Primal does have a few curses, but you're not really getting, I think, a ton of curse energy. Because there's a lot of Justice and Shadow Curses, too, that you that if you're just an illusion deck, you don't really have access to.
0: That being said, there is a really good muster muster enabler at common. Cruelty. It's a three-mana primal spell that plays an Inferiority Complex on a unit alone Mm. that triggers muster. But if you decimate it, it also deals two damage to the unit. Yeah, that's just
1: a a weird card to me. I, I guess I just don't totally understand the deal two damage part.
0: I don't either, but it's removal if you really want to pay for it. Yeah, because I guess I guess
1: the theory is if you decimate it, you're really just using it as like a two damage removal spell that triggers muster, you know what I mean? Because you, it's not a fast spell, so it's not like on their turn you force them to attack and deal two damage to them. So you're not really able to build upon the two damage very easily. So yeah, it's just a weird card. I'm not totally convinced it's good. If there is a muster deck, it is a great card because one of the disadvantages of muster is that it requires two cards to really, to trigger in most cases. Um, So having cards like Spellcraft Weapons or this card that can trigger in one card, I mean, is an advantage in one sense but at the same time, you're still spending a card, and if that card's not doing much, it's not really helping your game plan.
0: It is forcing something to attack in. Yeah. Potential upside.
1: Though, you know, it feels a little bad when we got that for free in the last format. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with the coin.
0: The ball coin is pretty good right now.
1: <laughs> Are the coins
0: in this new format? I believe they are, but they yeah. are not weighted highly. That's what I think their position is.
1: So then, next is decimate.
0: Ah, yes, decimate. We spoke about that a little bit, but you can choose to sacrifice one maximum power to do an additional effect. Mm-hmm. One, of, one of the comments that we we had that we didn't talk about it: it is a lead, uh, just a two drop, just a shadow, one for. Allows you to do this with no additional cost.
1: And so that just means you don't actually sacrifice the maximum power? Correct. And so do you think, are there good enough Decimate cards in the format to make that worth it?
0: Oh yes. Draw Strengths is sake. Funeral Pyre can be It Draw Strengths, one mana Justice Trick. Plus one, plus one for each enemy unit. Decimate. Give the top three units of your deck plus one, plus one. Yeah, funeral pyre is a three mana fire fast spell. Deals two damage to an enemy, and you can decimate it for to deal damage to another enemy. There's cards like that, and they generate quite a significant advantage.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's draw strengths a, is an interesting. I think that's going to be one of the scourges of the new format because, I mean, it's a good card on its own, and then it has this extra extra upside on it if you decimate for feels like (laughs) no particularly good reason Um, yeah
0: i all i am already feeling the pressure from that card for sure
1: my one thought about decimate is i feel like one of the things that i learned in set six is that some of these synergies that rely just on like in set six is set six cards and, or like these brand new mechanics so like in set six the example is shift you had shift cards in set six and all the payoffs or the like helper cards impact in, in in the same packs and then in pack two and three you didn't really have any support and right. so it can feel the same way a little bit with decimate like you can get these like cards that trigger off of decimate or make your decimate not cost anything but the fact is there's a little bit of tension because you only have two packs to get both sides of the equation there. So I'll be interested because I feel like Shift really never saw its full potential because of that. So, you know, Muster theoretically doesn't have that problem because you're going to see spells and attachments in pack two. So you can get all your Muster cards in pack one and pack four and then pack two and pack three have ways to trigger them. But uh, things like Decimate, which are, you know, you don't get that added bonus. Um, The last two sort of new keywords in the set bargain and invoke are either at too high of a rarity or bargain, I think. it will just almost, you'll never (laughs) successfully come up in draft. Yeah. Though maybe that could be some kind of achievement if you want to take a screenshot of you successfully bargaining a card from your market.
0: In draft. <laughs> yeah,
1: in draft, exactly. It um,
0: requires you to get a rare and a merchant of that color.
1: So good luck with that, everyone.
0: All right. And smugglers and, are not highly weighted, I don't think. Um, so have you been having any success with certain color pairs or archetypes? Hard to say since I got wrecked most of the time, but mm-hmm. my two six wins were with dragons and a praxis list.
1: And what color was your dragon's list?
0: I know I was in fire and shadow. Yeah, I was in primal.
1: Yeah, those are the three dragon colors, so it makes sense. So you yeah. you went with all three colors, though. Like you said, you were a bit of a greedy drafter. So yeah, and uh, and have you been noticing like uh, anything that seems like your opponents are doing particularly well or having success against you?
0: Groda's favored. Groddav's mm-hmm. favored hurts. Mm-hmm. I've played a few against them, and they've been good. But they've also played a few against me, and they've also been good.
1: Yep. And that's the, um, what is it, a six cost? Six, five. The six Single cost. Single
0: time, so you can splash it, too, if you really want to. And it
1: it silences an enemy unit.
0: It's better than Frontier Confessor. It has a, lo- a much bigger body. Frontier Confessor is not in the format.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this seems like an incredible card because, you know, and like we said, I think silence is particularly strong in this format mm-hmm. just because two of the keywords really, really require your unit to stick around to gain value from it. Yeah. So I think going into sort of, you know, finishing out this week one of a format, it does seem like time is doing pretty good and one of the stronger colors to be in.
0: Yeah. I've also run into quite a few Towering zones. That's just a base. Five mana, six, five.
1: So we'll see see if that goes forward in the deck lists that we receive. But uh, for now, I think time is a pretty good place to be in. But like you were saying, it does seem like there's a lot of options and a lot of avenues to take in this new format. So, you know, I don't think we should limit ourselves just yet. You know, we're still sort of in the exploration phase.
0: I think time, justice, and shadow are ahead of the rest, but I don't think we should count Fire or Primal out at all. They've Mm -hmm. got quite a bit of strength with us, with the new cards. So I
1: think we'll move into the draft portion Mm -hmm. of the podcast, and what we're going to do because this is our first draft of the new format, we're going to do fewer picks, but read more of the cards and sort of just get our um, talk about our initial opinions of a bunch of cards, just so that we can get you know, people more familiar with the cards. And then as we um, later in the format, we'll go sort of back to our sort of in-depth on um, one draft style. This is a draft done by Ben yesterday. So yeah, let's go through this. I think uh, pack one, pick one. The rare of the pack is Snapping Hydrangea, which is a two-time 5-5. Pretty good, but it has the summon ability. The enemy plays four one-one cultists.
0: Remember what I was saying about Lightning Storm not being in this format? Mm -hmm. That really hinders this guy. This is a constructed card.
1: So you really... You think there's no value just to the...
0: There is definitely value. But Mm -hmm. there's also definitely a way this can go horribly, horribly (laughs) wrong. Imagine if they play a horn later.
1: Though you... Could also say, just think, this is like an instant power up to your draw
0: strengths. That's true <laughs> on, the, on the other end of things. Yeah,
1: probably a little too cute. All right, so we found out a 2 power 5, 5 unplayable. So next, the uncommons. The first one is Ghostblade Outcast, which is the 1 justice 1, 1 exalted lifesteal. So I do know that people liked the one-time 1-1 Exalted. So this is just that with Upside.
0: There's people that swear by this card and just snap it up. They would probably snap it up too. card is very strong in the right circumstances. Mm -hmm. But it can also be tricked on with silence and bounce effects.
1: So would you pick this over the snapping Hydrangea?
0: Yes, without Mm -hmm. a doubt.
1: All right, so next is Flamekeeper, which is the 5-Firefire, 4-2. Exalted, Overwhelm, and also you have Overwhelm. So this is another one of these overcosted Exalted cards. I know you said you like the 5-Primal one that gives you flying. Mm -hmm.
0: Flamekeepers impressed me last draft, actually. Mm -hmm. I would take her pretty highly.
1: Yeah, higher than the Ghostblade,
0: outcast uh, that's a tough choice i was thinking yes but i think they're about equal
1: so it just sort of depend on your mood which one you take first
0: passing overwhelm is very good punches Especially, in for a lot of damage
1: i do think maybe it's just because time's always my favorite color but you know giving some of these big beefy time units overwhelm i think could be quite quite good All right, and then our final uncommon is Burning Claw, which is the 5-fire-fire-6-5. When one of your other Oni dies, draw each weapon it was wielding from your void.
0: This also includes exalted weapons, since those are weapons.
1: Yeah, this one is a a little tricky to evaluate. I think it's just good at base rate. I mean, it is double fire, but a 5-power-6-5 is a pretty good body. So even if its text was meaningless useless still be a pretty good pretty high pick
0: it's literally um, just a tower in Terrazon in yes. fire and it does seem
1: like there's a fair number of onis but i do feel like this is probably a little situational to get a lot of extra value from it mm-hmm. so i don't know if you've had experience with someone with you or someone actually being able to draw any weapons but that seems like it'll be a corner case
0: I'd rate it below the other two, but it's still pretty high. Yeah. So
1: I think our uncommons are pretty good in this pack. So yeah. let's see if any of these commons will sort of unseat one of the uncommons. So first off in the common slot, we have the the Makar Evangel, which is the two shadow, shadow, two, two, quick draw, fate, gain a shadow. So yeah, I think the Evangels are pretty good cards. People are playing a lot of them. And this quick draw ability seems you know, like one of the better Evangel
0: abilities. The Evangels have been great. They've made decks the decks consistency in playing tricky cards go way up. They don't help you splash per se, but they help you go into a main caller. Uh the Makar Evangel is pretty good as yeah. a unit as well. Yeah. Two two quick dry is good.
1: So I think, you know, we, we're seeing a lot of these around um i think you would agree i'd probably still pick one of the commons over this yeah at least this early so let's go to the next common that is the war brush oni which is the two fire two one summon each unit and weapon in your hand gets plus one attack this seems like a pretty good card i think he's
0: a reasonable aggressive common yeah and you know I almost I feel
1: like in earlier sets this would have been a one one or something again I don't think this unseats this but uh you know I think this just goes to show that this um, these set seven packs are pretty powerful yeah <clears throat> all right so next so we go from a two power two one to a five shadow three one in marsh dragon and it has flying and then summon. You may sacrifice another unit to gain uh, health equal to the number of units in your Void, and then give Marsh Dragon that much health too.
0: To note, with this card, it counts the unit that just went to the Void as well.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a hard one to evaluate. What's your opinion on this one?
0: Marsh Dragon is scary, actually. Especially Mm -hmm. when you have at least five units in the Void. Yes. That's when it starts to get really sticky and hard to remove.
1: Yeah, and this is like you were saying with the um, Toda that of your card of the week. You know, there are a lot of sort of sacrifice enablers, and so and this
0: is one of them.
1: Yep. So you play your Toda on four. You play this on five. Sacrifice your Toda. You get another. You get a dragon in hand, a big dragon on the board. I think you're feeling pretty good.
0: Yeah, and you also have one power to spare. Yeah, even since it discounts it, very um, good common. But mm-hmm. I don't think it unseats the uncommons yet. Uh, I'm not.
1: I don't know how highly I'm personally going to pick Marsh Dragon, but I can. I can see the value. I think I'm going to have to lose to it a few times to really appreciate how strong it can be. So next is Cult Recruiter, Recruiter which is the four time time three three ambush mastery four plus one plus one. Uh, Definitely better than uh, Gorgon Cutthroat. Oh,
0: Gorgon Cutthroat (laughs) is terrible.
1: And there are a lot of two attack units that you can ambush and gain the advantage of. I'm like not super excited about its mastery ability. Um, You you don't get that off of the first ambush. And then even if you do make it work it's only going to a 4-4 which is like not that exciting to me it's a fine card but not not great
0: still it can get a bear
1: yeah it's pretty
0: it's pretty all right
1: i mean the fact that it's double time is i think a bit of a knock but i don't know maybe with all the evangels and stuff going around you know the double time is maybe less of a cost in this set than it's previously been
0: Yep, but it's definitely a cost, so.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, uh, this next one, uh, Living Mountain, I think is a pretty good card, and that's a 5-fire, 4-4, four four, Summon. Give one of your other units plus
0: 2, plus 2, and Overwhelm this turn. That's a pretty good finisher. Yeah. Overwhelm especially just means you can punch give this to a pretty big thing, and punch to... Your opponent's 2 and one once
1: Yeah, you know, like, this isn't fast speed, of course, because it's on a unit, um, so that does hinder it a little bit, but we've seen over and over again these uh, plus 2, plus 2, or plus 3, plus 3, and overwhelm are just very powerful. Yeah. So I think that's pretty good. Uh, would you say um, that you would take that over a Flame Keeper or Ghostblade Outcast, though? Not quite. Not quite, yeah. It's
0: not quite at that power level.
1: Yeah, and it's actually an interesting comparison with Flamekeeper because they're sort of doing very similar things, and they're both Mm -hmm. five cost. I do think that Flamekeeper probably still slightly better than Living Mountain, though they are filling similar roles. But that actually makes me think maybe Flamekeeper kind of goes down a little bit because there is a common that kind of at least can do a similar thing. So it's maybe not... As big of a priority to, like, take Flamekeeper as a good finisher. All right, and then next we have Intrepid Longhorn, which is uh, Ben's card, which is the 2 Cambrai 3-3, Mastery 6. Play a random Sigil from your deck.
0: I can see why you first picked this.
1: Yep, so this is actually the card that Ben did pick. And, I mean, this is kind of a, a Ben card. I think he would love the ramp, love the big body. He loves playing multiple colors. This,
0: so. <laughs> yeah, this is a good. This is a good card. I wouldn't fault anyone.
1: Mm-hmm. I wouldn't
0: first pick it myself, but I would have it decently high up there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I do know also that Ben is still hasn't really have had a ton of experience with Exalted, so he's still, I think, maybe not as high as the rest of the. Community is on the Exalted um, keyword just yet. So I think that's another reason that he took the Intrepid Longhorn. But I I do worry a little bit about taking a Combray card, you know, a two-color card this early.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: You know, there's a lot less fixing. I know, you know, like in set five with the three-color cards, by the end of the format, I was taking three-color cards, you know, pick one, because you were so sure you'd be able to play them no matter what but I'm not quite certain about that yet in this format.
0: And really, this is just a good pack. There's another card that we should talk about, too.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's read that we have two more cards. Uh, One is Immortalize, which is the two-shadow fast spell. Draw a unit from your void. Decimate, it gets exalted.
0: Oh, my gosh, this card. (laughs) This card is ridiculous. Sometimes. It's not as ridiculous since you aren't drawing three mana seven sixes anymore, but mm-hmm. it's still, wow, it does a lot. Yeah. And Not so I... much while you're behind, but if mm-hmm. you're even or ahead, this you... can draw your best unit and give it exalted if you want.
1: And I think, as we said, you know, you're not paying much cost to give... To give one of your units exalted, you know, it almost feels like exalted could be worth, uh, you know, two power because you know it's like a third copy of the unit. You know, you play your unit, it dies. You play immortalized, you get a, th- you get it again, and then you give it exalted, and you get it a third time. Yeah. So, so I, I can see, you know, there's a lot of value packed into this two power card.
0: Yep, it's a very powerful card.
1: And then the final common is a card we talked about previously, Cruelty, the three primal play inferiority complex on an enemy unit, and that's the one that gives an enemy unit Reckless. Decimate, deal two damage to it.
0: Despite what the praises I was saying about this card earlier, it's the weakest card in this pack.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if this is just a... An above-average pack, or if the cards are just that good in uh, this set. All right, shall we go over a couple more packs? Sure thing. All right, so uh, like uh, we said, Ben picked Intrepid Longhorn. Um, Tempest Dragon is still a little bit non-committal. I think I might have taken Snapping Hydrangea just on a lark. Uh, <laughs> either that or Ghostblade Outcast. I'll, I'll go with Ghostblade Outcast mm. for myself. All right, so then pack one, pick two, cards in contention. Um, The first card is the rare, uh, is still in the pack, and that's press the advantage. That is one justice, give one of your units Aegis, bargain, hit the enemy player with two or more Oni.
0: We remember what we said about bargain cards. This isn't really worth running in the deck.
1: Unless you want you know, the accolades of your fellow players for having that screenshot that we mentioned before.
0: Yes, ha- getting this out <laughs> of the market is pretty good.
1: Yeah, the, the, yeah, I just think these bargain cards are just never happening. Because not only... You need... Uh, you, need you, know, you, you need your merchant, you need your bargain cart, and in this case, you need two or more Oni on board hitting the enemy player. Yeah. Alright, so that's, uh, that's that. I don't think we're going to pick that. Next is the Burning Claw, which is the 5-fire-fire-6-5 that we mentioned beforehand. Uh, the second uncommon is the Borderlands Lookout, which is the one times zero one plus, 1, plus 1, for each type of influence the enemy player has. I found this card to be very strong.
0: Yeah, that's so one drop that gets pretty big.
1: <laughs> yes. People have played it against me and Constructed so far, so I think... You know, even if your opponent is only two colors, you have yourself uh, one mana 2-3, which is already well above rate.
0: Yeah, that um, speaks to the strengths of the card.
1: So I think, so far, that's looking at, like, my pick for this pack, especially considering we have the Intrepid Longhorn. But let's see if any uncommons knock that out. So the first, or any commons. So the first common is reverberating strike. That's the four primal deal one damage to each enemy. Like you said, you know, this goes great with our snapping hydrangea. But, um, you know, this is a a lot of power to play uh, for that that effect. Though, you know, uh, we'll see this in a second or well, I'll just mention it now, you know, the, another common in this pack is the Skycrag common card, the uh, 2 Skycrag 2-1, two, Wise and Crone, your spells deal plus one damage. So that is kind of a, a small sub-theme of this set, yeah. doing extra damage. You know, I don't know... That, I don't know how well that's going to work out. I do know in Magic, there's a long history of spell matters in Blue-Red, so mm. it's definitely possible in draft to have, you know, this as a working archetype, but...
0: They're trying to make it work here, too.
1: Mm-hmm. But it is not one, I think, that we've see- seen be successful th- throughout the history of Eternal. so it'll be interesting to see if it works out here.
0: Yeah, but that is a good two-drop. Yes. It's just a spell associated with It's not so hot. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, all right, and so then uh, another comment is Malaise. It is uh, Two Shadow. The player of your choice discards the top six cards of their deck. It's a mill card. It's a mill card. It's a ah. bi- a big mill card. You know, remember, Draft only has 45 cards, so six cards is a pretty big percentage of their deck. It does not take very many Malaises to end a game.
0: It so, only takes two to get them down to ten cards. Yeah, We'll be going over the implications of that later.
1: So next is inflict conscience, and that is a one justice curse. When the curse unit deals damage, kill it.
0: I find that you can get these things decently late. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's a pseudo removal spell.
1: Yeah, I. It just seems like a sh- a straight removal spell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it it's pretty close. Like, I think this is a card that's going to sort of go up and up. I mean, it, it has, there's curse synergy things in the set, and this is can be a one power unit removal, or at the very worst, it's almost like a, a one power make the enemy unit useless if it's not dead, because it can't block, because if it blocks, it deals damage, and then it dies.
0: Yeah. It's a one-time blocker attacker now.
1: Yeah. So, I think I think this is a, a very strong card. I uh, agree. Especially as a common. Um, all right, next we have the Praxis uh, Dual Faction Common, which is the 6 Praxis, 5-5, five, five, Charge, Overwhelm, Mastery, 6, plus 2, plus 2.
0: Champion Grappler.
1: Yeah, Champion Grappler. Yeah, this is a powerful card, I think. I mean... Uh, dealing five damage out of nowhere uh, for six power is pretty big. And then it just has to, you know, you need to just pump it one power or get in two attacks, and suddenly it's a 7-7 seven, seven Overwhelm. And then uh, to quickly go over these next uh, commons, because we sort of talked about them before, we have Cruelty again. I think that's not in contention. We have the Ardent Convert, which is the one-time one-one exalted. And then we have the Kodash Evangel, which is the Justice Evangel that gives that has lifesteal. So I'm leaning towards the Borderlands Lookout here, and that is what Ben took also.
0: Yeah, so am I. The mm-hmm. Kodash Evangel is under consideration, but Borderlands Lookout is such a good one-drop.
1: All right, so next, pack one, pick three, uh, cards in contention. We have one of the our first choice cards that we see, uh, Voprex Choice. That is the two stone scar spell. The enemy player sacrifices a unit of their choice or draw a dragon or weapon from your void. So what do you think of this card?
0: Uh, it could get through Aegis, but you need to be in draft, you need to be concerned about them. Sacrificing their least important unit, so mm-hmm. it's honestly good to play this early and just get them to sacrifice like a two-two.
1: So you would not consider this a particularly high pick, then?
0: Not to go right into Stone Scar, no.
1: Yeah, it's right. No, I see that. All right, and then the what we have the Fire Edict. The Fire Edict is uh, Edict of Shabka. It's uh, one fire. Edict of Shavka can't be negated or blocked by Aegis. Deal one damage to an enemy. If it's a Justice or Primal unit, deal five damage to it instead. So that's pretty powerful.
0: It is pretty powerful. Also, there's a fun interaction that happens with this card and Daring Griffin. Mm. Um, A 3-2 double Primal, 4-cost, Flying Reckless Exalted unit. That sacrifices itself when a spell is cast from the opponent and negates it. Mm. This can't be negated by that.
1: But it still sacrifices itself. Yes. Oh wow. It's. <laughs> is... Yeah that 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 would make make me sad.
0: <laughs> yeah, something to look out for.
1: Alright, and then the other uncommon left in, so there's three uncommons actually in this uh, pack, is uh, Befowl, which is the foreshadow. Befowl, sacrifice two units to play a 7-6 Bane Wolf.
0: If the enemy player has ten or more cards in the void, summon two Banewolves instead. Oh, wow. Uh, So this is a payoff for mail as well. Mm-hmm. But it also requires you to have units on board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, it's a heavy synergy card, but it's really worth it. Right. Bane wolves, by the way, are seven cost seven sixes with mastery seven, unblockable. It's easy to see the value here. Once again, to make that con-
1: comparison to Wormstone, you're paying less to get a big unit, but with a few hoops hoops to to go through. Um, yeah, so I don't know if there is a big go wide strategy. I know. There seems to be like a lot of Cultists that you can pick up in um, in Xenon, so maybe that's sort of the thinking on where to use yep. this card?
0: Yep, this is
1: mostly a Xenon card. Alright, and so the next card is the one-time uh, Fast Spell, Metal. Give one of your units invulnerable to damage this turn. So, how do you like this card?
0: This card looks a little unimpressive on the surface, but it actually does quite a bit for a one-cost fast spell. Yes. Use it on a fatty. Use it to tr- trade with a big unit or several of their units. without mm-hmm. losing yours? You know, I think the
1: closest parallel for this card is refresh. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get the permanent four health buff, but, you know, giving a unit invulnerable is is very similar to that, and this is half the cost, and so... You know, this is a card that can really lead to some big blowouts. Yeah. Um, if your opponent is not playing around it with some, you know, if they make some dumb blocks. Correct. All right. And then next is Stand Strong. That's the two justice spell. Give a unit plus three, plus three, and exalted this turn. And then an uh, important thing to know is that this is a slow spell, so you can't really. Use this to get sort of the surprise value. Um, And that
0: really drags it down.
1: Yes. This is probably not the best card. All right. And then there's the Yeti Traditionalist, which is the 4 Primal Primal, 3-3, Overwhelm Muster, plus 2, plus 2. So this is, I think, one of the first Muster cards that we've seen. Again, I'm not totally convinced on about muster and i don't think this is a card that draws you into a muster deck per se
0: yeah no but he's all right i guess
1: yeah it could be worse yeah i mean the f- the fact that he's double primal uh you know i feel like it, it wouldn't hurt if he was it <laughs> was just a single primal but
0: yeah it wouldn't hurt if he was a single primal
1: all right, and then we have Yeti Griffin Rider, which is the 2 Primal, 1-1, one, one, Flying Berserk, Mastery 3, plus 1, plus 1.
0: Uh, I don't know
1: about this card. You know, 2-2 two, two Flyers are are pretty good. You do have to attack three times or use your Berserk and another attack to get it fairly. But what do you think of this card?
0: It's acceptable. Not terribly impressive, but acceptable.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, and then next we have Misery Walker, which is the 3-Huru, 2-3, flying in lifesteal mm. while the enemy is cursed.
0: That's pretty big upside if you manage to curse an enemy.
1: You know, this is not necessarily my favorite of, the, of this cycle. This is actually the card that Ben picked. And, yeah. And I don't know if this really draws me into Huru.
0: I'd probably pick either Edict of Shavka or Befall. Maybe Metal if I was pretty, feeling particularly conservative here.
1: Yeah, exactly. I agree. And then the final two cards are uh, Soul's Fury, which is the two-fire sacrifice unit to deal four damage to an enemy.
0: This is one of the premier sac outlets.
1: And, um, you know, I feel like there's not a ton of, at least in this... The set seven packs. There's not a ton of easily available sort of damage based removal, so mm. this seems like you know one of the few. I mean, it it's always feels bad unless you're getting extra value to sack a unit. But
0: if you're sacrificing a one one, it does not feel bad at all.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
0: Speaking of one health and removal spells, <laughs> yeah. we have greed for reward
1: yeah which is the deal one damage to an enemy for three power three primal fast spell decimate draw a card for each damage greed's reward dealt so i think on on its own played fairly this is not a very good card
0: i Uh, would agree wholeheartedly
1: yeah and i'm not convinced i think you have to really work to make this card really worth it um You're going to need a lot of those Skycrag 2-1s plus 1 spell damage to really make me feel (laughs) comfortable, I think, picking and playing this card.
0: Yeah. I think Lens of Clarity is still in this format.
1: Yeah. And that's
0: not exactly an inspiring source of spell damage either. (laughs) Yeah.
1: No. No. It's going to be a sad, sad day for me, or maybe a glorious day the day I put a Lens of Clarity in my deck. So he took the Misery Walker there, and like uh, Tempest Dragon said, he'd probably take the Edict of Shavka or the Bethowl. But I
0: can see why.
1: And I could... I I think I would take one of those two also. Uh, You know, the Edict, kind of... I think that's pretty interesting. Okay, so pack one, pick four. Cards in contention. There is the... There's one uncommon in the pack, and that's uh, Perul's Choice. That is the 2 Huru. Um, Draw a curse of your choice from your deck that you haven't played this game, or give one of your units plus one, plus one, in Aegis.
0: It's not a bad card. Tutoring for curses that you often already find, found, or better protect is just a neat place to be.
1: Yeah, and the fact that it's a fast spell. We've we've seen um, these... That uh, What was that? The plus one, plus one. Give you a unit plus one, plus one fast spell for
0: one. Sharpened Reflexes.
1: Yeah. You know, Sharpened Reflexes has always been a pretty good card that can lead to some blowouts. And this one costs twice as much, but also gives Aegis, so you can sort of negate an enemy removal spell. Or Aegis is, I think, a pretty powerful, powerful keyword to put yeah. on your good units.
0: And I'm going to agree with you that Sharpened Reflexes has been pretty good.
1: So then let's see some of these commons here. So we have the Warbrush Oni, which is the 2-fire two 2-1 two that gives each unit and weapon in your hand plus one, plus, plus one attack. We have the Time Evangel, which has charge. We have a new card here, the Thunderclaw Raven, which is the 3-primal 2-1, flying. Mastery 6, draw a curse of your choice from your deck. That's that's an interesting card. This is my first time seeing this card.
0: It's been pretty okay, seeing it used against me.
1: Hmm. I mean, would you consider this ability better than the uh, the three primal two one that scouted on infiltrate?
0: I'm gonna go with no.
1: Oh uh, yeah. But
0: only barely.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. You know, because like. You know, obviously tutoring is better than scouting, but you need three attacks with this unit while that yeah. only need to hit once. So, yeah, so that's actually making me kind of go down on that card, cause that, on this card, because that was not, I think, uh, a great
0: card. But it's a 2-1 flyer. You, It's still all right. Having something pecking at them with a nice bonus if you reached mastery. Mm-hmm. It's fine.
1: All right. Uh, Next is the Two Shadow 1-2 Fervent Siphoner. It has Exalted, and when a player discards a card, Fervent Siphoner gets plus one attack this turn. So is is this, for each card they discard, it gets plus one attack? Or it only goes... Each mm -hmm.
0: card. So so, yeah, Malaise becomes a combat trick.
1: Yes. And with Exalted, you know, you get sort of double the value out of it. So... I could see this card being powerful. You know, it's a little build-aroundy around, mm-hmm. for me to want to take this early. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Okay, next we have your Cinder Dragon here, which is the 6-stone-scar-4-4 four four Flying Dragon.
0: Not much to say here. It's yep. a Flying Dragon.
1: <laughs> pretty good. We have another Stand Strong, still pretty medium. We have the Ardent Convert which is the one time one one exalted again okay card i don't think it's great though in this pack it's kind of interesting sort of just in a vacuum would you take the the time evangel or the time ardent convert
0: i'd take the evangel
1: Mm -hmm. all right so that kind of just gives people a sense of you know their respective power levels and then uh, the final common is the Razorwire Totemite, which is the 3 Fire 1 1 Exalted Quick Draw.
0: Looks, <sighs> wor- looks a lot worse than it actually is.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm going to have to see this one in play. I mean, yeah, ob- it- obviously giving a unit Quick Draw is very powerful. And, you know, I've always liked that. Um, there's a weapon that gave Quick Draw, right? Blackguard Sidearm. You know, this kind of plays a similar role, um, mm-hmm. but. You know, it always feels it feels bad playing uh, three power for a 1-1. Ben
0: picked the Evangel.
1: He, he picked the Evangel. All right, so we did, uh, you know, this draft in a little bit of a different format than usual. Just because, like I said before we started, I kind of wanted to go through as many cards as possible. And since it was a new format, you know, by reading all the cards in a pack, you could really get a sense of where sort of... We valued them in a hierarchy as compared to just comparing the best cards and, you know, not realizing sort of what the worst cards in a pack were. But then ended up drafting a Zenon deck here with some pretty interesting cards. It looks like Splashing Justice. We'll have a link to his final deck list here. And it turns out he went 4-3 with it. And here's what he said about it.
0: He also took a Nahid in one of the packs.
1: Yeah, his pack four pick one was the Xenon Legendary, which he said um, he cast zero times. And that was not because he didn't have the influence for it. It was because he couldn't afford to sacrifice one of his units every turn.
0: Oh, jeez.
1: <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, he said two of his losses in his four three were because of lack of power even though he was playing uh, 18 power with a ton of ones and twos. So he's kind of chalking it up to bad variants. But like I said, you can see the final deck list in the the show notes, and we'll have a link to all of his picks um, if you want to kind of go through his draft yourself. And then, so I think that uh, concludes our show. Thank you, Tempest Dragon, for coming on and talking about the new format in lieu of of me not playing it. So I'm glad we've had someone with a bunch of experience. Uh, I think this was really great. So I really appreciate it. And so that's our show. Thank you again to all our patrons for making the show a success. And for those of you who are not patrons, a reminder to give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Join us in our Discord. We'll have a link in the show notes as well as on our website. Uh, which I guess you would also have to find through our show notes. Uh, and then finally, uh, th- give a thumbs up to all of Raven Dragon's Reddit posts about the show. And don't forget to send all your 7-win lists you do this week to farmingeternal at gmail.com. And remember to keep on farming. Bye.
0: That was cool. a wrap. Yeah.